Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the day, we're going to talk about the fact that today is Columbus Day, which is a federal holiday, meaning lots of folks have the day off. But it's also a controversial day, and many communities around the country have decided to stop calling it Columbus Day. They have renamed it Indigenous Peoples Day, recognizing the people who were most negatively impacted by Columbus when he, quote-unquote, discovered the Americas. We're going to talk about that shift away from Columbus Day in some communities and why uh, those communities are doing it and what they think they are signifying by doing it with a member of the Navajo Nation who hosts the National Native News. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation. A really interesting set of issues at play there. Also, remember, if you are walking into work right now or otherwise have to step away from your radio, you don't have to miss out on the show here on Detroit Today. If you go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts, you can download and subscribe to Detroit Today. You can take us with you and listen to us whenever and wherever you like. All right, up first, late last week, the head of the Michigan State Police met with legislative members of the Black Caucus in an attempt to patch up some tension along racial lines. Colonel Christy Etchu, a white woman and the first woman to head the state police, has been mired in controversy for several weeks. First, because of her one of her troopers using his taser on an unarmed teenager who was riding an ATV. It caused that teenager to crash and die. But then more recently, Etchu herself used her social media platform to call football players who are protesting racial, racial injustice degenerates for kneeling during the national anthem. Just this past weekend, the Detroit Free Press reported Etchu's department is considered to be rife with racial tension even within its ranks. But Etchu has so far said she can still do her job effectively and that she won't step down. She is backed at this point by the governor, who also says he will not remove her. Etchu also says her meeting with black caucus members was productive. So what, if anything, must happen to repair the image and community relations between the Michigan State Police and black residents who are becoming increasingly wary of the department? Joining me now to talk about that subject is someone who was in on that meeting with Colonel Etchu. Sherry Gay-Danyogo is a Democratic state representative and a member of the Legislative Black Caucus. Sherry, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk first about this meeting last week. I, I, I thought when I saw the headline that the meeting was going to take place, that this was an opportunity to move the discussion forward in in some way, uh, maybe patch up some of the differences, uh, or it could, I suppose, have gone the opposite direction and maybe everyone dug in their heels a little more. Uh, I, I'm curious about your takeaway from the meeting itself. And, and thank you. And, and I'm glad you said my takeaway. While, while I am uh, a very proud member to serve um, on the Michigan Legislative Black Caucus, um, my takeaway as an individual uh, was never to call for resignation. And yeah. I know that surprises a number of people. Uh, but the Michigan State Police has had its issues prior to Etchu's um, leadership, and I believe if there is not a policy change or 
system-wide change, there will be problems after she leaves. Sure, sure. Um, that being said, you know, a statement went out uh, by the leadership of the Black Caucus, of which, you know, I support the intent um, and uh, the drive to address these very egregious posts that she put up and the message that it sends, um, her lack of cultural sensitivity and understanding um, why the protests uh, are so important to a number of people who've taken a knee uh, and, and what it actually means, especially in a climate where there is so much police brutality uh-huh. uh, throughout our country. So um, in the meeting, uh, she expressed uh, that she was deeply sorry um, about the post. It is not representative of her leadership. Um, it is not her words. Um, many know that she shared the post. She didn't necessarily write the post. Right. Not making an excuse for her. However, as the leader um, of the Michigan State uh, Police Officers, my caucus members are correct. This is not, should not be tolerated. Um, it, it should should not have someone at, at her level of leadership. Uh, how can she effectively lead the rank and file and unite them uh, to address a very, very big problem. And now what, you know, has this post sparked right. um, in MSP? And so I think it provides a greater opportunity to address the lack of, uh, of diversity, um, equal opportunity for advancement, uh, the disparity of representation of African-Americans in leadership roles. And so that was uh, my takeaway in how we advance partnerships in our community, but not only partnerships in name. Uh, but increasing the budget right. uh, to address recruitment. Uh, thinking outside of the box, we have an African-American uh, that is leading the recruitment efforts or working very closely with recruitment efforts in Michigan State Police. So how do we empower uh, those officers to uh, recruit veterans, uh, to go to HBCUs, to work with our churches and community organizations? Um, how do we have conversations uh, in northern Michigan Western Michigan and talk about right. the racial divide that we have. And so that was the commitment uh, that I went into the meeting looking for. Uh, and that was the expressed commitment coming out. Uh, we have a follow up meeting mm-hmm. uh, this week with the governor's office. And so uh, more concrete, a more concrete plan um, with some real defined details uh, and deliverables and objectives should be pushed forward. Uh, but we started the conversation last week. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that's really important about what you're uh, talking about there is this effort on your part, and I would imagine on the, the, the parts of the other members of the caucus as well, to not make this solely about one person, to not make this about what one person said or did, but to deal with the systemic context in which that person said or did uh, those things. And I, I think when we're talking about police brutality in particular, the, the, the real strain that exists between police departments and African-American communities all over the country, that is, that's the key. That's the, that's the lever you need to, to pull is to say, this isn't about this person or that person or their attitudes. It's about the culture inside a department uh, and the touchstones inside that culture that that get people to a space where they respect everybody, uh, where they're not thinking of some person's rights as being different or less uh, than, than than somebody else's. And in order to do that, you you have to talk about much more than just the leadership. 
You're absolutely right, Stephen. And I, I appreciate even uh, the commentary that you've put out in that regard. Uh, people in Michigan are uncomfortable talking about race, race polarization. Um, often well-intended members, whether even on the same side of the aisle or other side of the aisle, mm-hmm. when you start to talk about these issues, um, automatically somehow take it personally and, and see it as an attack against them. And that is not the case. Um, but I think that this is a an excellent opportunity to start having these conversations uh, in not only predominantly African-American communities, but in white communities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where people want to weigh in on a conversation, but afraid that sometimes even their words might be contorted or misconstrued. Um, I talked to a colleague on the other side uh, when the events of Charlottesville first take, took place and they were pushing forward. Uh, we were pushing forward an awareness uh, of my bill to include African-American history in the K-12 context. Mm-hmm. And so in conversations with local media outlets, they'll get a comment from uh, the the Republican side of the aisle, and then they'll come back to the Democratic side of the aisle. And sometimes I think, uh, and, and no no disrespect, but I think sometimes it tension sells, uh-huh. <laughs> division sells. Yeah. Uh, and so instead of looking for ways to bring us together, the negative is pushed forward, and then you have uh, people who may not understand all of the nuances of our community afraid to weigh in because they don't want to be labeled a racist. And that's what what one of my colleagues told me. And so we've been committing to find ways to talk about this. I have to admit with term limits is very challenging. It's very hard um, right? <laughs> to create that trust and an environment where you can start having this type of dialogue. Uh, the rotation moves really fast. But I think that this is a time for a pause where we really bring leadership together and create a safe space to have that dialogue and not just attack each other. I don't condone uh, the director's remarks, but I do see this as an opportunity for something much, much bigger uh, than a resignation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Sherry Gay Danyogo. She is a Democratic state representative, represents the 8th District here in Michigan, and a member of the Legislative Black Caucus. Uh, we're talking about Colonel Christy Etchu, uh, who is the head of the Michigan State Police, got caught up in a controversy because she shared uh, a post on social media that referred to the players who are taking a knee during the national anthem as degenerates. Uh, the Legislative Black Caucus met with Etchu last week to talk about those comments and other issues. We're talking now about what came out of that meeting and how we go forward from here. Is this uh, something that uh, should cause Colonel Etchu to resign her position? But more importantly, what are the things that need to be done inside the Michigan State Police to ease tensions between that department and various communities around the state, in particular the African-American community just a few weeks before Etchu made her comments, uh, one of the troopers uh, for the Michigan State Police used his taser on an unarmed teenager who was riding an ATV. It caused that teenager to crash and die. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call here. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. 313-577-1019. 
Tell us what you think about Etju's comments. Tell us what you think about the relationship between the Michigan State Police uh, and the black community in Detroit and others or in other places around the state. Tell us what you think needs to be done. Do you think Etju should keep her job and be uh, sort of a beacon for discussion of racial tension and solution to that racial tension? Or do you think she needs to sort of get out of the way and allow these reforms to unfold without her. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning to both of you. You know, it's the... um, Go ahead, Tom. The um, ETU needs to see that speech that the guy from the Air Force gave. And you know what? You don't kill a snake by cutting its tail off. You kill a snake by cutting its head off. And, I mean, you know, for her to have shared that thought, I mean, you know, as one speaks, so as they are. I mean, you know, she said it was, quote, unquote, a mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Loose lips sink ships, and she blew her ship out the water. <laughs> and then not only, I mean, to resign, I knew she was not going to resign, nor was Governor Snyder going to ask for her head. And he even says that... She can stay on and, you know, retire, and then um, I guess she'll be appointed by him to another position so she can end up, what they call it, double-dipping. She'll get a retirement, and she'll have a position with the state through 2018 when he rides off into the sunset. Tom, let me ask you you a question. Uh, What do you think of of what Representative Daniogo has been talking about, though, which is that this all fits into this— bigger context and that that our attention probably is better directed at trying to fix the problems in the department than focusing just on etu and if she commits to doing those do, do, i guess do you believe that uh that that she'll do that and that it'll be successful well they say action speaks louder than words and i mean you know you know and this thing is bigger than miss etu okay it's like you said it's systemic all right and i mean what needs to be done is like i said they ought to play that tape for them folks that that guy at the, at the United States Air Force said. He says, listen, if you can't respect people, get out. Right. Don't belong. Yeah, that was a very moving do. speech. There's no question about that. Are you still there, Tom? So, but, okay. um, but no, I mean, you know, th- th- there needs to be some house cleaning done. Yeah. And also, you know, they should have a, my, my, my word here, they ought to have a come-to-Jesus meeting <laughs> and just tell those troopers, listen, you know what? We all put our pants on the same way. We you cut us, we bleed red and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, this doggone racism and stuff, it's not going to be tolerated. All right. Uh, Tom, I really appreciate the, the call and the comments. I'm not sure I'm in exactly the same space as you are, but, but I think uh, a lot of people probably identify with what you're saying there. Let's go to Frank in Lincoln Park. Frank, welcome to Detroit Today. Morning, Stephen. How Hi, are you Frank. doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Listen, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to matter who is the head of that organization. Uh, you know, after, I really felt we were making some progress in this country. I really did. I thought that our, our racial relations were getting better. But I got to tell you, uh, I don't feel that way anymore. Um, hmm. We seem to be more divided than ever. And uh, I don't understand what's going on around here, around this country. Um Blacks against whites, you know, conservatives against liberals. Um, it's really a troubling time. And 
I'm worried that we don't have anybody pulling it together, but we have very powerful organizations trying to even push us farther apart. Yeah. And, and uh, it's worrisome to me, very worrisome. Yeah, me. Frank, Frank, I, I really appreciate the call and those comments uh, as well. Uh, uh, Sherry Gaydanyogo, Democratic State Representative, I'll give you a chance to respond to what Tom said and what, what, what Frank said there. Uh, you're in the middle of all of these discussions in Lansing. Uh, uh, talk about the 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 possibility that someone like Etu can actually do what what she says she will do to try to address uh, racial disparity, and then talk about this divide. Uh, so, so yeah, um, you're absolutely right. Um, in the middle of it, and just realizing uh, through conversations with various people that we don't have a very good understanding um, of each other's culture. Right. Um, unfortunately, our schools don't provide for that. We don't really get exposure in some instances to African-American history until higher education. And so I always go back as an educator, ed- educator to educating people properly so that they understand. We don't spend enough time talking to each other instead of talking at each other. Uh, and folks are looking for the, you know, 20-second soundbite or 10-second soundbite, right. um, as opposed to the substance of how we really truly address these problems and building the relationships. I don't intend to change Etru's heart. That's not my uh, goal, mission, or agenda. Uh, I think that is much bigger than Etru. Uh, we have to look at systemic challenges within the Michigan State Police, and, and for that matter, any other department in the state of Michigan. Uh, and throughout our state in corporations. How do we address that through policy, through uh, budgetary commitment? And so I see this as a way to do that. These problems exist. We had two officers who had a multimillion dollar lawsuit before she got there who were in MSP, who did not have an opportunity to advance right. to the leadership level that they could have or should have. Uh, and so she was, you know, when, when I addressed that in the meeting, she expressed, that that was before my, my, my leadership. I said, you're absolutely right. And so there'll be problems after your leadership <laughs> if right. we don't address this now and change the policy to ensure that Michigan State Police reflect the population of our state, to make sure that we don't have uh, officers from Mau Mau Bay, Michigan, Hale, Michigan, uh, uh, patrolling Inkster Highland Park when we could recruit from those areas uh, and have a force that is more representative of of, of, of the population, of, of the community there. Sure. So that's yeah. that's what I'm looking and hoping to achieve out of these conversations. And so, you know, she expressed that she sat down and talked with officers who are African American, uh, and and they shared with her, you know, why her post uh, was so, uh, you know, uh, hurtful. Uh-huh. And she she was honest about the fact that she didn't realize uh, when she did it, she was going through some things. And I'm not going to be here to to be her excuse. But she she also didn't understand their point of view. I think, though, as the leader now, it's incumbent upon her to unite her uh, her officers by putting out a strong statement similar to Lieutenant General uh, J.B. Silveria, I forget Mm -hmm. how to say his name properly, from the U.S. Air Force that Tom talked about so that it is clear that uh, it will not be tolerated because I've talked to some officers who have received comments from some of their colleagues that are not as welcoming as they should be. So as the leader, that was my question. How will you unite your officers, given that you put up this post? She stated, 
some people were angry that, that she apologized. So that shows us where we are as yeah. a state yeah. with respect to race relations. As a leader, whether it's in her heart or not, she has to put policies and practices in place that will prevent uh, this type of interaction with our citizens and among the rank and file. And that will come also at the governor's hand right. of addressing this in a budgetary manner of putting dollars where their mouth is. And so that's what we're looking for this week. Yeah. Uh, let's take uh, Mark in Ann Arbor. Mark, welcome to the show today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, please allow me to make my statement. Um, we are one of the few countries in the world that have a First Amendment freedom of speech. And while we may not agree with what someone says, they have the right to say what it is they believe. It doesn't make it right, may not even make it wrong. But we are one of the few countries left that have this ability to speak our mind. Uh, whether or not a person in an administrative position should be banned from making that statement, I, I don't believe that. But we also have elements high in the government and with out, outside the government whose delight in the oldest strategy of war is to divide and conquer. And so you have politicians, you have businesses, you have people high up who are just loving the fact that we have this situation now, black against white, women against men, generation against generation. As long as we continue to see that and not realize that there are people, elements higher up that are wanting this divide and conquer, right. we're never going to agree and we're never going to solve the problem. So, Mark, we, so Mark yeah. let me ask you a, a quick question. I, mean, I, I totally agree with you that, that uh, Colonel Etchu has a First Amendment right, like the, all of us do, to, have, to say what she believes and to, to not uh, have a government uh, sort of uh, uh, punishment for, for that speech. In other words, she won't be jailed uh, or, or prosecuted for it. But this is a question of her leadership in an administrative position. And I, I wonder whether you think that, uh, A, by saying what she did, that she sends a message to the people she leads that, um, that maybe she's okay with the idea of treating some people differently or respecting some people's Writes a little less, uh, but B, I, I wonder if you think it's okay to to to, to say, look, free speech can have consequences, uh, and that, uh, uh, in other words, that um, that you you can't just always say what you want and expect to be in positions of of leadership. Uh, that's not the that's not what the First Amendment guarantees. I would look at her record as a leader um, if she has carried out her duties and obligations in a fair, reasonable way and has not expressed prejudices, right. meaning that she uses the law to and applies it to everyone in the same way and also leads the people below her in that same way, then I think, yes, she is free to say what she does. But if that... If that leadership role has given her, uh, has changed her directions, has caused her to treat people in an, uh, a biased way, a prejudiced way, then no, she should have consequences. Right. Well, I think that's, yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're, we're talking about here is the context in which 
her comments came and and uh, the effect that they might have on an environment where there is already this racial strain inside the Michigan State Police. But, Mark, I, I absolutely appreciate the call and, and your comments. We're going to take a quick to, break here. Oh, go ahead, Sherry. To, to Mark's comments, and I know you have to take a break, yeah. but if you look at Article 4 of the Code of Conduct, uh, Section 4.5, it talks about all of the guidelines uh, that myself as a legislator uh, and any other public leader, especially the leader of the MSP, has to abide by. And she broke, she broke the, that. her own rules. Yeah, yeah. No, that's important. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Sherry Gay Danyogo. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Your city, your town, your voice. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Sherry Gay Danyogo. She is the Democratic State Representative from the 8th District here in Michigan, a member of the Legislative Black Caucus. We're talking about the meeting that the Legislative Black Caucus had last week with Colonel Christy Etchu, who is the chief of the Michigan State Police, got herself caught up in a controversy uh, for sharing a social media post that called the football players who are taking a knee during the national anthem degenerates. Uh, what came out of that meeting? What will come out of that meeting? And can we bridge this gap that seems to have opened up pretty widely between uh, police departments and the African-American community, between liberals and conservatives, uh, all kinds of strife in our culture right now. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET uh, Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we will work you into the conversation. Let's go to Wanda in Northwest Detroit. Wanda, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Um, you know, I, I just wanted to say that everybody keeps bringing up race. I don't think this is about race at all as far as the state troopers. The problem is we're not being heard. We are still, every week, we're hearing about the abuse or the shooting of a black person that's pulled over, I'm looking at the fact she's not even respecting the fact that we have this situation. It's real. Nothing's changed. The only What else are we going to do yeah. other than protest? I mean, this isn't violence. This isn't in the 60s where there was a big riot. The only outlet we have... We're taking a peaceful outlet, and that's still a problem? Right, right. Uh, How can she serve us if she doesn't respect our fears? Yeah, Wanda, that's a great question, and I'll put that to you, Sherry Gay-Danyogo. Did you get the sense in the meeting with Colonel Etchew that she does understand how African Americans, or many African Americans, feel about the police and the the, the kind of unequal, unequal treatment that uh, that we're getting? Well, she doesn't understand. Uh, it, that was clear. The post would have never went up. It, ne- it would have never been shared if she understood. 
And so it's important now to use this as an opportunity to help her as well as many others who don't understand. And that's the thing. We're not having real meaningful dialogue with respect to race relations. Right. Uh, and, and, and I don't I, I, I won't pretend to have all of the answers, but I know it's very important. I was excited uh, when Senator Margaret O'Brien reached out to me uh, right after Charlottesville to talk about ways that we could possibly have a bicameral bipartisan conversation. I sat down with the speaker, had some of these initial conversations and and, you know, he was a bit uncomfortable and expressed that, well, I would rather pass legislation that would demonstrate my commitment to urban communities. Uh, but I think we really have to not be afraid to tackle race relations. Yeah. We have to do it in a way where people feel safe and not attacked because they may not say something properly. Uh, and we have to extend grace so that we can gain a better understanding uh, to move Michigan forward, because they, there is such a huge divide. Uh, but people don't feel safe in having the dialogue to address their own biases. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Wanda, thank you very much uh, for that call. Let's take uh, let's take Timothy in Detroit. Timothy, welcome to Detroit. Hi. Um, it, it seems kind of ironic. She's been criticized for exercising her freedom of speech, but wasn't the football players doing the same thing? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. Well, so, so <laughs> go ahead, sorry. Sherry. So, so here's my my take with this caller and the previous caller. This is not just her First Amendment right and freedom of speech. This is her as her a leadership. Leader. Yes, her leadership. There is a code of conduct that we must. As a teacher, I can't just say anything that I want to to someone's uh, child and you know tell them they can't learn. You're not smart. You know, black children can't learn. Those are things. It might be my personal view, right. but it's reckless. And so this is the same thing as the leader of the Michigan State Police Department. She is bound by uh, Article 4, Code of Conduct, which explicitly states that no employee shall explicitly or implicitly ridicule, mock, deride, belittle, intimidate, threaten. Uh, the, uh, employees shall not have offenses or derogatory comments to any person with respect to race, religion, color, natural origin, sex, height, weight, etc. Right. So this goes beyond her freedom yeah. um, of speech rights. This is a code of conduct it's about, as a yeah. leader, even on your personal time or your professional right. time. You can't, there's no dividing that. Right. You can't do that. The, the other thing I'd point out, Timothy, is that with the NFL players, the First Amendment issue is not just in their ability to express their opinions, but their ability to be free from forced expression, right? So uh, this idea that you have to stand and salute the flag during the national anthem uh, is coerced compliance uh, toward uh, toward uh, patriotic expression, which you know the Supreme Court has said before that you're you're not really allowed to make people do that. Um, you can't do it in schools, for instance. And and so I think that there are a number of First Amendment issues swirling around here. They all tend to get mixed up together, I think, and, and you got to sort of separate them out and, and deal with them individually. Uh, uh, Sherry, before I let you go, I want to pivot a little bit to the insurance issue, which which is still uh, pretty hot in Lansing, too. We, we've got bills, uh, competing bills in, in uh, the chambers there. Uh, I, I want to first get you to talk about what what you think about the, the those bills and the chance that we will get real reform that will give you know cost relief to people in Detroit and around Michigan? 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, so sitting on insurance, the only Detroiter actually sitting on insurance, uh-huh. the only African-American sitting on insurance. Uh-huh. Uh, this is very important to me. I, I sat with uh, uh, former legislator Martha Scott over the weekend, and we kind of talked about this and like, wow, it's amazing. We're still having the same conversation <laughs> so many years later with respect to redlining, but it's all a part of our ecosystem. Sure. Uh, why does redlining exist in the first place? Because of our polarization as a state. Um, but the legislation that's been pushed forward uh, by the mayor, House Bill 5013, uh, which seeks to um, create three levels of insurance, uh, capping catastrophic claims at uh, 25250 which 25000 is for post-care, 225 for medical care and emergency care, 500000 and then uncapped. Uh, in its current form, it would not provide guaranteed relief for Detroiters, because we have territorial rating in right. statute. Right. Uh, and so that's one of the biggest challenges with, with, with in addition to others uh, that is in that bill. And so uh, we will be putting forward amendments this week, and I believe it will probably get voted on in committee, uh, which is scheduled typically on Thursday morning at 9 a.m. in uh, uh, the legislature's committee, insurance committee, uh, this coming Thursday. Unless they call for it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, well, we passed. Well, we're not at nine o'clock yet. Almost. <laughs> uh, also, um, the package that we have a number, another package that we opened up with bipartisan members uh, will be dropped. I I have a bill which addresses territorial rating, yeah. removing those. Uh, there's other legislation that would address a fraud authority that goes both ways, as opposed to what you see in House Bill 5013, which links more in favor of the insurance companies. Uh, we have a fee schedule uh, legislation that uh, will provide some relief um, to our tra- level one trauma hospitals, but also bring a level of affordability. Uh, we have um, a fraud authority that is more inclusive of community uh, and those who are not uh, just stacked from the insurance industry. Uh, so you'll see some differences in these package of bills that, that should be dropped tomorrow, actually. And hopefully we can get our package to the insurance committee as well. I, I see that it, it, uh, the, the, the bill that the mayor's put forward will more than likely, I believe, it'll probably make it out of committee. Um, I wish it, that it wouldn't, but yeah. I think that it may. I, I just don't think it'll make it out of the House. And so what you would rather see is a bill that includes reforms for these territorial uh, uh, rates that, that, that they're doing. It's not that you... It's that you think what what the mayor has on the table is incomplete. Is that a, a fair it's, way to it's, characterize it's more it? Than, it's more than incomplete. It's unfair. Yeah. Uh, because it it misleads Detroiters into thinking that if I chose this lowest level, uh, which would only give me twenty five thousand dollars post hospital stay, that I will now have a much more affordable package. And that's not the case because if you don't remove territorial ratings uh, that is in statute. We won't diss the Department of Insurance and Financial Services testified last Thursday that we're, you're absolutely right. This will not provide a rate rollback. In fact, it's a shift, right. a shift that will hit uh, Medicaid at $150 million, a shift that could impact uh, those that have your typical Blue Cross, Blue Shield, HAP, et cetera. It's a shift that will not necessarily coordinate or won't coordinate with Medicare. So we're creating a much bigger problem while taking away uh, the catastrophic coverage. The coverage that people that, have now. That yeah. people have now. So 
that's the biggest challenge. If we could remove territorial rating standards, treat everybody fairly, charge us all based on our own driving records, then people can be educated on a choice, albeit not enough. Right. That would be their choice. That would be a true choice. Right. This right now is not a true choice. Okay. Sherry Gay Danyogo, Democratic State Representative from the 8th District here in Michigan. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. I appreciate you, Stephen. Absolutely. All right. Up next, today is Columbus Day. We'll talk about why some communities are rejecting that in, uh, in exchange for Indigenous Peoples Day. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.